All right, welcome everybody to the Caregivers Care Jar um, podcast. We are so uh, excited as always to be with you and thank you for tuning in um, and uh, being with us and supporting us. We are the, uh, the ears and the mouthpiece for caregivers and it's all about, we're all in this together. And as always, we wanna continue to lift each other up um, so that we put on that oxygen mask first and do self-care and self-honoring so that we can care for those that we are caring for. Um, and we're looking forward. My name is Vaughn Foy, the voice brander, and I'm here with my wonderful friend and co-host, Miss Christy. Hello, hello, hello. And um, we're so glad to be here. We have some special guests uh, today. I'm looking forward to hearing this um, story. And I, I know that as always, it's gonna be really encouraging. So Miss Christy, you wanna kind of introduce our two guests for today, and uh, let's just- I would absolutely love to introduce this beautiful couple. So this, today we're gonna be talking with uh, Carla and Carlos Cruz, and I had the privilege of meeting them through um, the leadership seminars that you introduced me to several years back. And they are just a beautiful, beautiful couple. I actually met Carlos first and, um, you know, sometimes you meet people and you just automatically attach to them. Mm -hmm. And he just had such a great spirit that I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait. I cannot wait to meet his wife because who gets to stand by his side like this? And he just, he had such a sweet spirit and such a sweet heart. Um, And we were sharing some, you know, information and our journey about our children and their, and their syndromes. So I was like, oh my gosh, I, I can only imagine what the mom is like. So I really couldn't wait to meet her. And then I had the opportunity to meet her uh, when I was with my mom and one of my really great friends. So we bonded really, really well as I knew we would. Mm -hmm. And I've just been in love with this couple ever since. So Yes. Hello, guys. How are you? Hi. How's it going? <laughs> good, awesome. good. Well, please, please talk to us about your daughter and tell us a little bit about yourselves and your journey. Want to go first? Ladies first. <laughs> <laughs> well, my name is Carla. Um, I am 30 years old. And where, where do we start with something like this? It's a lot of different starting points. Yes, there's so much. Whatever comes to heart first. Well, I guess the the whole thing started. Anika is seven. She's going to be eight years old and less than, yes, in in a couple Mm -hmm. of weeks. And I really didn't know myself. I didn't get to know myself until she came along, until she tested everything, every fiber that I am made of, that I really got to see who I am. So before that, I don't know that I can say much. Um, Everything that I am has been coming up to the surface for the last few years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you want to say anything before? No, go ahead. I think you're still... (laughs) Um, every, uh, our, everything our journey started when Anika was 13 months old and it was it was funny at the moment because we didn't know what was about to to start um, we were we have always been very careful with what we feed her and for the first time ever she was about to have french fries <laughs> so she was sitting down in the back of the car and we gave her a French fry from in and out. From in and out. <laughs> and I remember we parked just so we could eat comfortably. And I remember looking back, and she just had the French fry in her hand, and she was just staring at it. And I said, "This is so cute." She the first time she has ever uh, had a fry that she doesn't even know what it is, and she's just staring at it until I realized that she was turning purple. Her eyes were watering. And I, I just pulled Carlos. He got up the car right away, pulled her out. He was about to give her CPR when she started breathing again. So, so I, I uh, 
she was so small at the moment that I was able to lay her face down on the palm of my hand. And I was about to pat on her back because I thought she was choking on food. But then as she started breathing, I was like, okay, there's no need. And I was going to, you know, just hit on her back and just so she can cough out whatever she was at the moment. I thought she was choking on food. We, we did, but she started breathing again. And, um, we did not know, nobody in our family has ever been, um, diagnosed with epilepsy. So we didn't know what it looked like, especially that we just thought, okay, that's weird. She must've swallowed the food right when we were about to, uh, do what we had to do. Uh, so we just left it at that. We never went to the doctor because we were like, okay, you know, this is nothing. She just choked on food. She ended up probably eating a little fried, whatever she had. She's fine. We looked in her mouth, had nothing. And and after that, it just, you know, we kind of let go of that incident. But it was uh, a few months later in, on, her, on your birthday, uh, <laughs> well, we'll recap back to that. <laughs> yes. Uh, we went to a baseball game and go Giants. <laughs> <laughs> when, when we were at the game, um, we started getting a lot of phone calls from Carlos's mom, who was watching Anika. And they told us that Anika was in the ER. They were running tests on her because she was having seizures. Non-stop, like one every like five minutes. And they didn't know what was happening. Um, they were going to do tests for meningitis and they were just running all tests as, as, as much as they could. And they told us that they were about to send her to Stanford. So they had called an ambulance to send her to Stanford. She was seizing so much uh, that they didn't have the proper equipment for her given her size that she was still, you know, baby. Um, so they said, we need to um, get her immediately to Stanford at the Lucille uh, Packard, Lucille Packard Children's yes. Hospital. Um, so when we heard about that, um, we, we got back into town, probably about an hour and a half drive, but we got back fairly fast. I won't say how on this uh, <laughs> podcast, but we, uh, there wasn't any traffic. So we, we with the urgency tried, of a parent, we, we yeah. Yeah. get back as fast as safely as possible. So then uh, by the time we got there, they had left already. The ambulance had left on to take her to the uh, Lucille Packard Children's Hospital. And we uh, drove to that location so that we can get there. And that's where they, um, that was when the whole can of worms pretty much opened up for five days. Mm. So quick question. So this, this was the second, the French fries was the first episode and then the baseball game time was the second. Yes. Right. Wow. So you had no really idea. Um, I mean, other than the French fry time, then, then it was just the um, baseball game was the next incident wow and um once that we got to to Lucille Packer she was having a seizure at least every hour hmm. and especially every time that she tried to fall asleep she would just wake up seizing so she was exhausted and I mean we just it, it was the middle of the night when we left we stayed there for about five days hmm. um, we um we didn't leave her side. We took turns. One of us stayed awake and we were probably both awake at least. Uh, I mean, we got very little sleep, maybe like three, not even three hours the first night. I, I think remember. we stayed up like for the whole night. Um, we doze off maybe for like a minute or two, but it was very rare. So for five days straight, um, they're like, you guys can go home. It's okay. And we, we didn't, you know, we, uh, we're, we're, we, we care for ourselves really good, but we didn't shower. You know, because uh, we just like we don't have any clothes. We don't have anybody we can call to bring us stuff. So we're just going to both stay here. We're not going to leave. Do you remember what we lived off of? We lived off of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for five <laughs> days. It was fun the first day. No, it wasn't fun, but it was it was it was decent. But that's all we had. And I, wow, it, it was. Uh, we got released on Cinco de Mayo. Yes. Mm. Celebrate. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> But even when they sent us back home, she was still having seizures. It's just, they they said they couldn't really do anything else for her. Um, we just needed to wait for some time for the for the medication to pretty much do its 
its job and since it's neurological it's not something where you just uh put a band-aid on it and it's going to fix it it takes its course depending on the individual so could be a week could be a month and once it starts doing what it has to do then that's when uh, think of a puzzle the pieces start connecting then they align themselves and then they start working how they're supposed to mm. so for her um it was like a your engine it's misfiring but you just you don't know when it's going to do it it's just going to do it whenever it, it feels like it so she had a specific part in her brain that was not connecting and misfiring misfiring at a certain point mm. and that's what would cause her to have her seizures so yeah. um but they said they would subdue um the doctors her neurologist said that you know just watch her if she stops breathing you know just uh call the um you know call the ambulance right away call emergency services and um you know from there something interesting that we started to notice because they will always have a pattern um that the first time the pattern was every hour on the clock she will have a seizure another instance because it will it will be she will go seizure free for a few months and then she'll start seizing again uh and again a few months and she'll start seizing again but every every cluster um that's 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 the kind of seizures she has. She has cluster seizures, which is she will have one, she will have multiple. Mm. <clears throat> so they will always have a pattern. One time it was every two hours. Another time it was one in the morning, one in the afternoon and one at nighttime. Um, the, I, it, it was pretty much once that they started, you just needed to pay attention as far as the timing and you would know when to expect, kind of expect the following one. Mm. You know, going back to the hospital portion of it, you know, um, it was hard. Um, I stayed strong for Anika and for my wife, but when I got home, I, I broke down. Yeah. Yeah. I could totally see it. I don't think I've ever seen you cry like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, you know, sat down on the floor and just started crying like a baby. I, I, I can imagine as a, um, as a father and even uh, from a father's side, we, uh, we, talk, we talk back and forth about the difference between like the emotions or feelings of, um, and conversations about that between men and women on the podcast a lot, um, or the difference, I should say. And I can I can only imagine as um, as a father. I mean, yeah, your you know, your daughter's there. You come home from a hospital, and because you have to, not that you have to, but you you are strong for the family, and but that's a weight on you. But I can imagine coming home, you got to release that. You got to. Mm -hmm. um, just the overwhelm of emotion because there's stuff that you just can't do. <laughs> you can't, um, you can't do, I can, I can totally imagine it. The, the five days we got hit, um, emotionally, um, you know, our faith was tested, you know, cause we were like, you know, why us? Why, why her? Mm -hmm. Um, but the business part wasn't really an issue at the point that I got to step away and, it's not going to take care of anything that I have to do for work for as long as it takes. And that, that wasn't an issue. Um, but the, uh, the nutrition part and the sleep didn't help out because not only did we feel weak or I felt weak, I, I know I did, but not only did uh, I feel weak as far as like not eating what I'm used to eating, but mm -hmm. my sleep, I was deprived of sleep. So my thought process was more emotional than it would normally have been. And either way, it was still going to be emotional, but everything was amplified a lot more. Right. Wow. So it was, um, I would say that was like a, a breaking point for those areas. And I wouldn't want to do it again, but it's actually helped us build ourselves together as a family. So for that point, it's it was awesome. Just because mm -hmm. we've been able to build up stronger. So the foundation is stronger because of that but I wouldn't want to do it again, but no, no regrets. Yeah. Right. Well, and just having a safe place to release your emotions is probably really key. You know, I know for me, um, I would have to, you know, Jeffrey spent a lot of years in the hospital. And so, yeah, you get to a point where 
You just have to find a safe place to release your emotions. Mm -hmm. It was really a journey for me to learn how to control them because whenever she will start having seizures and it was always out of nowhere, um, I will freak out. I, I wouldn't know what to do. I will get really emotional. And Carlos really guided me through through it. And I remember something that you told me that you told me that in the time is is not about you right now. It's about her. So you need to learn to control your emotions because if she sees you freaking out while she's ceasing, it's not gonna be any helpful for her. Mm. So I learned to put myself aside and try to be my best to help her. So she, once that she was safe, I would allow myself some time to break down and feel what I was feeling where she couldn't see me. Right. Oh. That's so very important and healthy. Yeah. Because the longer you bottle it up, then that that doesn't help anyone. Yeah. Right. I definitely share, you know, for our listeners that, you know, to be able to have that safe place to release. Um and, and it, it doesn't have to look a certain way, it doesn't have to necessarily be defined as this is what a safe place is. It's what a safe place is for you, um, right? Um, um, to get away and to, or or <laughs> in right. the shower, in the bathroom, you know, whatever. Right. Well, and I can share from experience. Just you know, living at a hospital, I'd just go sit in my car because nobody was around. I'd be sitting in the parking lot in my car, and I'd scream and cry, and you know, whatever it is. Just I was angry and you know, why is, like he's saying, why is this happening? And, and you, you do, you get caught up in your emotions and you have to just release because you get so overwhelmed. And so, yeah, that's one of my friends taught me that she sat in the car with me and she goes, just start screaming. Yeah. Out of the top of your lungs, start screaming. And I was like, what? No. But once I started doing it, because <laughs> really, you get that release and I mean and no one can hear you you're in your car right yeah. and so yeah, turn up the music turn up the music <laughs> if you don't want people to hear you screaming or you know whatever but for me that that I did that many a days because I did I lived at the hospital so I understand the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches I understand the you know tag team and you know here do this and do that I mean it's, it's not an easy route to be sitting at a bedside watching your kids suffer. So yeah, it takes a lot of emotions. Yes. Yeah, and, and it wasn't just that one point like, oh, okay, great, now we're just gonna wait and see what happens. It was, um, it was like a push and pull. So think of like yeah. a stock market, you know, you invest money on something and then it just drops and then it goes up. You're happy, you're sad. You're like, what's going on? I thought we made progress. Mm. So as, Anika got older. Um, so one of the things that we didn't touch on is when she had her second episode mm. um, and after we got back home, her age, she regressed everything that she knew. So if she was just learning her basic numbers and, you know, ABCs, she regressed almost six to nine months. She wasn't talking. And uh, as far as motor functions, if she was going to pick something up, like, the, you know, the fine tune of picking like a fork up or just using mm. her hand that was, she regressed as if she would have been like a six or eight month old and she was almost two. So seeing that, we were like, oh man, what do we do? Is she even gonna learn that again? What, how long is it gonna take? Um, her speech development and her motor functions became impaired because of that. So we were freaking out. We we're like, what do we do? What, you know, how, how is this gonna get fixed? Like, what's, how long is it gonna take? So we had a lot of questions where we didn't know and we weren't getting answers because obviously her case was different and we didn't have anyone in our community that we could lean on for that. So it was, it was a lot of questions that we knew we weren't going to get the answer. We just had to wait and see. Right. Wow. Yeah. Cause you can, 
you can definitely, uh, you know, get in a tailspin of emotions if you're obsessed with fixing the child. Yeah. So being in that, in that unknown area takes a lot of patience and acceptance, which is really hard to do. Yes. And she also started having tantrums, like very um, extreme tantrums because she had lost all of her speech. She couldn't communicate. She was frustrated mm-hmm. and she was on a new medication that one of the side effects is mood swings. Mm-hmm. So it, it became very hard because if it was not ceasing, it was her extreme meltdowns. And we didn't know if it was because she was a, you know, toddler. a toddler yeah. or if it was the medication or what was happening. Wow. Um, and she started to have um, speech therapy. And the therapist that we had, she, um, she asked us, what is her motivation so I can get some tools? <laughs> motivation has always been food so uh she got some pretend food toys and um Mm. she's teaching her sign language so i her favorite was more food (laughs) she would do that all the time she's just like and even if like she just had breakfast like 30 minutes later like a good breakfast right she's just like and we're like okay we just fed you you know you're good you're good just wait till lunch you know it's not like we're you know malnourishing you. you you got food but um you know, we showed her the uh, the pizza symbol, pizza. Um, ice cream, and those she never forgot. She was all the time just sign language for pizza and ice cream. We're like, no, we just had food or no, just relax, hold on. So there were some beautiful highlights. I mean, it was mm-hmm. that it hasn't everything been um, sadness or pain. There has been some beautiful mo- moments, and looking back. It, it was and it has been a blessing in disguise because the things that we have changed in our family and our family structure, I can honestly say we would have not done this if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for Anika's medical condition. When you get pressure put on you, um, that's when you really see what you're made of. Right. You know? And we push back all the way. Yeah. <laughs> and you pull together to push right. back. Yeah. Wow. The, uh, the, the times that she would have seizures, you know, um, she, would, she would learn a specific activity or she would learn how to do something uh, physically with her body, like jumping or skipping or running. But the times that she would have a seizure, there was always a turn back in time. So it was like a reset for her. So we're like, oh man, we got to teach her that again. But she'd pick it back up quicker. Mm. But we knew that, okay, every time she seizes, it's resetting to a specific time. She was like going back in time where she had to learn something all over again. And um, Mm different stages in her growth. Um, one example is when she was walking up the stairs, uh, she would have the tendency to just walk up with one leg. <laughs> so instead of using each leg individually and stepping left, right, left, right, she would step up to the right and then bring up the other foot, step up to the right, bring up the other foot, if her leg would be injured. So we knew that, well, I, I knew. <laughs> I knew that she wasn't having that muscle to memory connection. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to handicap her. Um, she was about two and a half years old at the time. And I said, I carry her all the time up the stairs. And I put my foot down. I said, she's going to learn how to put that mind muscle connection. And um, I got fought on all fronts <laughs> by uh, <laughs> Carl over here. And by Anika, Anika would not want to use her other foot. She would cry. So what I would do is I would hold down one foot, you know, just gently, of course, where she couldn't lift up her foot. Mm. And I'd say, no, I'd tap on the opposite leg with my hand. I'd say, okay, use your left leg, lift up your left leg. She wasn't having it. She'd cry. Um, She'd cry. Neighbors would look if they were outside wondering what was going on, if I was, you know, what I was doing, right? And uh, I just said, no, she's gonna get it till she gets it. And every time we'd come back from the grocery store, if we had somewhere to go to and we're coming back home, that was the exercise till she got it. Mm. 
um, crying all the way up. <laughs> but then when she got it, you can see the look in her face of confidence. She had newfound confidence. So, you know, we right. were a little high. Yeah, good job. You know, you did it. All right, cool. You know, and, you know, as time went on, things that she struggled with, I said, okay, we're going to have to put more pressure on her to get that because if she doesn't learn it now, she's just going to learn to do it that way. And as she gets older, it might be harder. So I didn't know if I was doing the right thing at the time, but in my heart, I felt like this is, this is, you know, this is the right thing. You know, in my head, I was like, you know, I should just let her be, you know, she's, she's got this condition, you know, it's not her fault, but my heart told me, no, Um, I'm not going to lower the bar. Mm. She's just going to have to do it and she's not going to have an option and she's going to be happy for it. And she has, she definitely has become more confident. And, uh, I had my mom, uh, telling me, you know, you're, you're mean, she's a little girl, (laughs) just leave her alone. She's just a baby. I had, um, my wife telling me, you know, I don't know why you're doing this. You, you know, you're just, you're frustrating her. She can't do it. And I said, she's going to do it. And, uh, at times, you know, I thought I was wrong. I really did, but it's helped her become better and she's she she's got that confidence in her so when people speak with her you've met her christy she's yeah she's wonderful she she doesn't hesitate so there's times and and you have to know her to know that she is a strong-willed child so having you know because crying is an easy out right if i cry people leave me alone right even kids learn that at that age so dad pushing her limits was like the perfect thing for her because yeah. that's her personality she she wants to do it and she does like to be pushed so hmm. kudos to you dad kudos Absolutely. to you yes and that's as he did know even before she started having seizures he could see through her and how yeah. smart and how clever she is and uh he would just tell me she just has to wrapped around her baby fingers and yeah. No way. She's a baby. She doesn't know. And he'll say, look, do this. And she's going to do this, this, and this. I said, no way. And we'll put it to the test. And how wrong was I? Yeah. He really had me running in circles. Yeah. <laughs> Children are very, very clever. <laughs> and and so are elderly parents when they uh, yes they are <laughs> yes they are my, my uh for you you guys don't may or may not know but so my mom uh i'm caregiving for my mom who had a stroke three years ago and she has stroke induced dementia uh beginning on and uh and it's funny me and my brother were just uh talking earlier about she she's she's a negotiator with the caregivers like well if I drink this water, then I'm gonna have two slices of cake, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> you just ate. So clever. That's cool. Yeah, they're super. That sounds like a very smart deal for me. She's very yeah. smart. Yeah. yeah. Very sure. They know what they're doing. <laughs> Some level. Like, oh, wow. I don't want to drink the water. You have to give me something in exchange. <laughs> so, so as a recap, with uh, with Anika and her seizures, um, she had that second one on my birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that followed were, <laughs> were just, I don't know why, but you know, we, we make light of it because that's our way of coping with it. And this was after the fact, mm. but we're like, why does she always pick the days where we're supposed to be doing something fun? She did Christmas. She did my birthday. She did our anniversary. <laughs> we're like, is she just out to it's get always us? Always when you were out of town too. Yeah. If I was out of town, I was at heart staffing heart. I was like, is she yep. just to get us? Like, she's, is she is she being um what, what's she planning them like what, what is she doing you know um so we, we joked about it because you know i'd say uh yeah they were all i think that's uh, why we stopped planning things <laughs> right <laughs> wow. nobody nobody comes to mind you gotta get two steps ahead of her like, well doing? is it like does she get them like if she gets excited or something is there like a trigger um, no. Well, actually, we we kind of look back, and something that we started doing is we started to be really on point on her weight, on her weight, um, because her medication is uh, dosed to her mass. So as soon as she will start gaining a little bit of weight, uh, 
we would reach out to the doctor right away to increase the dosage. Mm. So that's something that uh, as long as we have been in, I think that's why she hasn't ceased in the last three years. Yeah. Every single time that she gains like about five pounds, mm. right away we increase the dosage. So we don't know if that might be one. One of the times that she started seizing was because she's on three medications right now. We tried to take her down to two. Um, the doctor said, let's take one of them um, out. And we tried it. She started seizing. We, need to, we needed to introduce it right away. So we have noticed that most of the times it has been uh, medication related. Mm -hmm. Or for some reason, the, the, when she was on two before we took her to three, that they, they were just not enough anymore. Mm -hmm. wow. And uh, the other part um, is that we didn't know what was causing it. They did an MRI. They did an EEG, AKG, I think it's called. They did uh -huh. all tests and they couldn't figure out what was happening or why was she having seizures because everything came out perfect. So the last resort was the genetic testing. And that, when once that you have exhausted all your options, you go to a genetic testing. And for that one, there's only a 20% chance that you will get an answer, like a definite answer mm -hmm. of something causing the seizures. And we actually found that she has PCDH19 epilepsy. Mm. Nice. So so what that is, is there are boys that has it, that have it, but uh, as far as I know, they don't really have symptoms if they do. Um, there might be a few exceptions, but I don't know if any myself. Pretty much it just shows in girls. There, the cases are so few um, that I think back then there was only between 17 and 30,000 cases um, I don't remember if it was in the whole state or in the whole country, but they're very, they're very few. And right. when we talk about it, that specific condition has been barely discovered 10 years um, ago. So right now will be what, uh, 15, 15 years and there is no cure for it. So what happens with that is that one of the two X chromosomes is missing a chunk. And on that specific piece of the X chromosome that is missing, there is a genetic code ca called PCDH19 that produces a protein that allows the neurons to communicate. So because she doesn't have that on one of the chromosomes is that is what triggers her seizures. So that is something genetic. And the, the heaviest times for girls with the, this condition to have it is between a few months old and three years old is when they will start having them. And as they get older, it has shown to, to diminish. But again, there's not that many studies because it's it's so brand new. Right. Wow. Yeah, we, yeah, and we, we've been told by a few people to try, um, you know, CBD and all that, but we'd have to take her off the medication that she's on right now. Mm. and we opted out of that just because, you know, she's, she's not seizing she's fine. We don't want to take that risk where, you know, if we take her off the medication, start season again, right. and then if right. that doesn't work, then we have to go back to square one. So we're just like, she's doing great. She's fine. Let's just, you know, um, keep her where she's at. There's no need to start making changes if she's doing great. Right. Cause big part of the problem is trying to find what works. So when you find something that works, most times people don't want to steer from that because you're like, it, it's working. Why are we trying to critique it? Right, right. And we really consider that um, because it's more of a natural approach as opposed to the medication that she's on right now. So right. that would be nicer, but once again, it's, it's working. So I wouldn't want to take that risk. We wouldn't want to take that risk with her. Sure. Now, is this something that she might grow out of? No. A potential. No, there's well, a potential by the time she's like a, you know, 18, there, 19. You know, there is no cure for it. I mean, she, if she continues with the medication, there is there is a probability that she will not have seizures anymore. But as far as growing out of it, it's it's a genetic condition, so it's not something right. that. Right. So that X that X will always have a chunk out of it. Yes. So okay. there is no way to. There is no cure. 
The only thing is that they can be under control. They can be managed. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, if it was a normal situation of epilepsy where she has been this long without a seizure, um, normally she will be taken out of the medication. But because it is genetic, we cannot run that risk to find out what will happen. So she will always right. have medication pretty much. Yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and then as they get to be adults, it's teach the hard part is teaching them how to manage their own health. That's that's been my experience with my son is trying to educate them and, and get them to manage their own syndrome. Well, actually, she and, and Carlos is to think on this. She's very responsible when it comes to her medication. She knows as, as soon as she wakes up, uh, she says mm -hmm. something so I can give them to her. And she knows the importance of it. Um, even though she was four years old last time she had a seizure. Uh, I had a very strict request from her doctor. She asked me to record her uh, because we are about her and a half away from, from her neurologist. She asked me to record and he got seizures in the hospital and text them, text the videos to her. Right. Um, so it, that was something very difficult to do, to be honest with you, but I have the videos. So, um, because Anika doesn't remember how it is once I showed her the videos and I said, this is how it looks like. Mm. The medication is very important because once she almost forgot her medication somewhere mm. and I, and I showed her the video and I said, this is very important. You cannot leave your medication anywhere because this is what can happen. So she understands yeah. the consequences of it. And as soon as she hears the alarm in the evening, she takes it twice a day. So in the morning, she wakes up straight to setting up her medication. In the evening, as soon as she hears the alarm, she sets up her medication. She carries her emergency medication with her whenever we go out of the house. So um, I think that teaching her since so young to be responsible for those things herself will set her up for success once she sold her to know yeah. right. what are. Now, what about food, honey? Does she is there certain foods that she has to stay away from? Not really. No, we just don't give her sugar, but that's mainly because she turns into a very mean. No, person. I, she has sugar. <laughs> I mean, it, it's more. It's not. We don't give her processed sugars, but she'll have sugar like you know uh, stuff with fruits, home homemade baked goods. Right. Uh, you know, so she does have the sugars. It's not like, but she's not crunching down on a bag of Cheetos and or candy and you know those hard. Uh, candies like jolly ranchers and stuff like that she's not doing that we, we do keep that out of the house i'm not i i'm, I'm guilty i used to eat all that but no <laughs> anymore but that's i don't that's not for her seizures it's just for yeah. personal personal preference but, yeah that's just okay nice so yeah not food it's just the medication now is it's working it's um you got that but that journey to find out what actually works right and yeah yeah because when you don't know where it's coming from or why then yeah you you have to start at the basics like what works what doesn't work and the, there are other options too um this for us unfortunately didn't um end up to be an option but for other families with you know a member that has epilepsy a a, a dog, what's it called? A service dog, service dog. Uh -huh. can be a very good option because what these dogs are trained to recognize before someone has a seizure. So they can recognize up to like 10 minutes before someone is about to seize. Mm. They will alert um, someone and they will uh, comfort the person while they're having a seizure and make sure that they're safe. Wow. So um, the thing with that is that it will have to be with someone that is constantly having seizures or otherwise they can forget their training. So because right. when, with Anika, the, the seizure, sometimes she will go six months without a seizure. It was just not, um, it was not the best for- It's not the best therapy for the dog because it doesn't yeah. get to practice its skills. Yes. Um, and another thing that we saw that was coming out of the rumor that it was like a watch or something, mm -hmm. and it will uh, keep track of the um, what is it like? It it, it would monitors like the heart rate, like the heart rate and the oxygen on your mm. blood, and um, 
it will I'm I'm not sure because it was supposed to be just like testing uh, on the testing stage, but it will send if there was something abnormal or the patient was ceasing, it will send you an alarm to your phone. Or if oh, nice. levels. I don't know if it ever ended up coming out. Uh, but if it did, that's also uh, Yeah, it's worth looking into. Right. I think it was like in beta testing mode, but I don't know if they ever released that to the market. Do you remember the name? I don't remember. I can look it up and send you guys a link if I find it. Um, And then as service dog, that was uh, a nonprofit. um, In South California, in San Diego. Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens with that is uh, with the, with the dogs, you, you cannot pay for them. Um, It's like they, they have to do a fundraising for the training of the dog. You go on a wait list. And once that the fundraising is ready, it takes about, back then it was $25,000 for the training of the dog. And then you have to go down to San Diego for two weeks so you can be trained with the dog as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you can help by doing fundraising to, to, to raise the funds faster. And that can be give you a dog up to like two months or if you just wait until they do it it can take up to like a year and a half for you to get a dog wow wow Hmm. a lot of information right it's so good it's so good and so helpful yeah because you know listen i'm sure the listening audience you know either that they are experiencing similar or um have some i remember i grew up um, uh, and our next door neighbor, their daughter had um, uh, seizures growing up and um, it wasn't violent or anything, um, but, you know, it was similar. I, don't, I can't remember the effects of it, but, you know, now she's, uh, as far as I know, she doesn't have them, but she's, you know, she's a, um, a special needs teacher. She has, you know, three kids and, you know, um, is very pretty successful and things like that but I she was like the like the closest person that I remember that I knew uh very closely that had seizures and stuff like that and that is interesting because I think the statistics is one out of 10 people would will have a seizure in their lifetime Mm. I I had a seizure when I was a baby but that was you know something else I had meningitis as a baby Mm. um so I, because of that, that's what caused my seizures, but it, it was because I had a fall and I hit my head. So mm. that was completely what that medical condition is right now. Interesting. Interesting. So most likely you probably know more people that have at least had a seizure is just not that spoken about. People don't know. Then her, her seizures aren't, you know, like, uh, Carlos was saying they're not like grand ball seizures where, you know, they're real obvious. Um, what are some of the things that you experienced with her when she was having them? The blank stare is the first giveaway. Mm. Blank stare, not breathing, turning purple, and then falling on the floor. Mm. Um, so that was the, the constant, right? Mm. After that, they will show different things as well. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's pretty much how it just started. Um, she'd wake up sleepy and tired. Sometimes uh, she would be fine, but majority of the time she'd have to go back to sleep. It's almost like she got drained of all her energy. Mm-hmm. Um, just rest for maybe like a nap of half an hour to several hours. So we'd have to constantly watch her and be like, okay, you know, she okay? Um, in the beginning, um, she'd be out for five, six hours. She was just drained. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And that, and like Chris said in the beginning, like that's um, like that wouldn't be the picture. I wouldn't understand it. That would be a seizure. Because all you think about is, um, you know, like I said, of whether the, um, uh, you know, on the floor and shaking and stuff. Shaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Wow. Interesting. So when, so after, so the, when the first one happened with the French fries, you didn't know or find out that that was a seizure. You just you no. didn't know. It, and then, that, that came back and we were like looking at respect. We're like, wait a minute, that wasn't 
her choking on food because we never saw any food at all. Right. We were under the pressure she might have swallowed the food, whatever she had in her mouth, but there was we went back and we just kind of thought about like, you know what, I think that was her first one. Mm. It had to be. Wow. Yeah. Her original diagnosis was complex epilepsy because uh, when she was in the hospital, she didn't have a seizure. So whenever you have two more than two or more unprovoked seizures, meaning without a fever, um, automatic that will that would give you a diagnosis of epilepsy. Mm. So when you have had seizures because you have a fever, that's not considered epilepsy. It's until you have two or more unprovoked mm. seizures. Interesting. So because she was having them every hour, she was diagnosed with complex epilepsy um, disorder until we had the, the genetic testing is that we had a more specific diagnosis. Wow. Mm-hmm. And is, is complex, that complex, is that kind of like a general classification that they give? I, I, I believe so. I think okay. it was mainly because of the how often she was having them. Mm. So it wasn't just random seizures here and there. It was one seizure every hour without wow. a fever. Um, that made them say that it was a complex epilepsy disorder. Gotcha. Gotcha. Wow. Wow. That's good. Thank you so much for uh, just sharing. What? Um, just in kind of some closing thoughts, unless Christy, you have some more um, questions. What you've gone through this, you're going through this, you know, for our audience out there and those, whether it's parents or siblings, um, also, what um, words of encouragement and just um, thought uh, that you can share with them from your experience? Um, if you had just a, to sum it up in a, a few sentences or some things, what would you share with someone else that's going through this at the same time? Pressure creates a lot of uncertainty, but you can also pivot and take that pressure to propel you to different levels in your life, whether it's financially, whether it's uh, physically, um, spiritually, you can turn that energy into something good, but you can also let it destroy you from the inside out. So we've had to pivot. It, it was it went from two incomes to one, and then from one income to in debt, and then in debt to just just bad. You know, so you you have to you don't have to, but you can choose to be very creative on how you're going to make the household unit work and function because it does get interesting. And, you know, when, uh, when the poo-poo hits the fan, it, it really does. Everything just, it's, it can be very, very uh, detrimental. And that's where a lot of the support that we have with wonderful friends like you, Christy, and now you, Vaughn, we, we've reached out and, you know, we've asked for support, whether it's in prayer, whether it's just like, hey, you know, let's just, uh, Let's go take a hike somewhere and just, uh, you know, hit the hills, get a workout, you know, just release some energy. And um, we've had really great opportunities where we've been able to just turn that into something positive. So, so much greatness has come out of that, but you do have to step in and put a lot of work into. But it's fun, you know, we've made it fun. So, you know, it wouldn't be the same without that pressure because now we have a deeper appreciation for other people and things mm-hmm. and what we do. And not that we did it before, but now we cherish that a lot more, if that makes sense. So it's, yeah. it's a lot more um, rewarding. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more rewarding. And, uh, you know, everything's going to work out. The only time it doesn't is when you quit. But if you just keep on going, you're going to have uh, pitfalls. But that doesn't mean that's over. No, it's it's going to work out. It always does. Yeah. It always it, it does work out. It's and then you look back and you're just like, I'm glad that I you know continue to push through. I'm glad that we continue to push through, and I'm glad that we're all still doing great. And you know it gets better. 
It really right. does. Absolutely. As far as for myself, I think back and like I said, all those small moments of light in between that time that made me realize I wouldn't have that without the other part. And if this is what it takes for me to have her in my life, I would still want it. I, I, I still, I would still take all this if it means that I get to have her and I wouldn't change it. And like I said at the beginning, this, this really showed, this has really showed me what I'm made out of. And something that I always ask myself is if I would do the right thing when it mattered. And because it's easy to choose the easy way out and you know what, it's not gonna take that much work because at certain point you're exhausted. At certain point it feels like you just can't give anymore. And then who do you look for to fill you back up? And I, I had my struggles with faith on going, okay, God, I'm gonna trust her when, when she will stop having seizures all day. I'm gonna trust her, I'm gonna trust you with her. And, and then when she will start having seizures again, I will get so angry at God and say, why would you do that? I, I was trusting you. And, and if I trust you, you're supposed to keep her safe. You're not supposed to let this happen to her. And I will get so angry and try to take control over it and then land on my face because I will realize that I could never control it. I, I, I could never do anything to make that stop. All I could do is be there for her. And if I was trying to do it on my own without God, that's why I was feeling the way I was feeling until I realized that I had no control over it and that God was the one in control and he was doing it for a reason is that I started to have some peace in my heart and just make peace with it that that was probably something that we were going to be with forever and to be okay with it to be at peace and to just learn to live with it. And I recognize that we have been so blessed and that not everybody can say the same thing as far as her being seizure-free this long. I recognize that there, there are families that still struggle with this every single day and I cannot feel any more blessed. I think of it every day and I say, thank you for one more day without seizures because I know how, I know what it means. And the first year that we went without a seizure, I just remember feeling this anxiety of when is the when is the other shoe gonna drop? You know, that mm -hmm. time of when things are going too good and you start to think this is not gonna last at certain point, this is going to go down. And reminded myself to you know not not think that way, enjoy the moments of light and, and the happy moments mm -hmm. and something that we didn't touch on but we started homeschooling her mm -hmm. because of this same reason because of all the obstacles that were presented to us in on 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 the way is that we just said okay we're going to start teaching you at home and we love it and that's what we're doing now and we would have never done this without without the circumstances. So I think just learn to recognize those beautiful moments in between is that can keep you just going and being grateful. Gratitude, lots of it. Mm -hmm. So we've been able to uh, accomplish and create a lot of goals that we never thought in our wildest dreams that we can accomplish. But this piece of the puzzle right here is very important for that. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to connect with people that 
we've never thought we'd be able to connect. So there's been a lot of growth. It's good stuff. Good stuff. You see oh. why I love them so much? They're yeah. so amazing. <laughs> Yes. And I can just honestly, I'm just going to come from a place of I, why I fell so in love with you, Carlos, is because you were so incredibly supportive. Because yeah, he mentioned we we met at Heart, which is um, a leadership seminar. And, and yeah, Anika did have a seizure and he, you could just feel his heart. And he was like, I'm just, I want to be there. And I, and I immediately, because I'd been in Carla's situation so many times said, honey, the only thing that she needs Carla is you. So please, you know, go, we, we've got it here and, you know, don't feel, you know, because you're always torn of, I'm trying to live my life. And then, you know, the child's, you know, illness happens. Right. So you're always constantly on this emotional roller coaster. Like she was saying, when can you try to go back to normal life? And it doesn't happen always, you know? Like they were saying, they came to the the realization that this could be forever and they had to really surrender to that. And just pulling together, just pulling together the, I mean, all he wanted to do was to be there with her. And that, that spoke volumes to me because I didn't have that. I didn't have that as I was going through my son's illness. So I just wanted to honor you and, you know, just I'm so thankful that you're sta- you're here and you're you know sharing so that other fathers can see. Yeah, a, a lot of people might judge you and look at you a certain way, and the most important thing is to be there for each other, because you can either allow this to make your relationship and your marriage stronger, or you can choose to pull it apart. And you know, I know you guys were talking about using this as an opportunity as a blessing, and it's true. I mean. Suffering is optional. You could choose to suffer through it and really, really struggle through it and make it worse than it is. Right. Or you can choose to, you know, find the opportunities, like you said, and bring the right people into your circle that can leverage you and, and keep your mindset in the right place. And so that's why we're always, you know, encouraging our caregivers, make sure you're filling up your cup, make sure you're putting yourself first as well. Now, of course, when you're in the moment, right, we don't put ourselves first. We know that our child or the person we're caring for, they become the priority. But when it's all said and done and you release and then you fill yourself back up. So I just wanted to acknowledge you guys for that because it is work. It is work that you have to consciously say no we're gonna stick it out together because a lot of people don't a lot of people don't and you know divorce rates are really high because couples don't stick together when the pressure's on so kudos to you I'm so so proud of you guys and I've just always been so in love with you guys because of that you're a great great role model to so many people so yes yeah thank you Pass yourself on the back. Pass yourself on the back. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. So beautiful. I love it. I love it. Love it. Thank you so much for having us in mind for this. It really means a lot for us to be able to tell what this has meant for us um, and for Anika because she is. She is honestly a beautiful soul and a child and and I remember as a kid um I did have a neighbor that had epilepsy and we were all scared of her um because we will see her ceasing and we didn't know what it was so I I told Carlos I want people to know what it is and that they don't have to be scared of it and and that they are they, they can be just as normal as everybody else. And they're so loving and they're so caring and they're still a person worth having around and having in your life. And it, to, to every single time, I don't, I don't share what her condition is as a way of having pity for her or anything because she's a very capable child. But more right. in the sense, this is something that can happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. And we can be there for each other. Right. 
Yeah, and, and like whenever her condition is shared with with uh, different people, um, I I make sure and tell them just don't don't give her the uh, easy way up. You know, challenge her because she's capable. Right. You know, so we we let them know so that they're aware in case something happens. But we also let them know, please please don't just she can be challenged just as much as any other child as well that doesn't have epilepsy. Mm. So that's right. because, you know, I don't want her to use it as a handicap of some sort. Like, Oh, well, you know, I, I can't do this because I have that. No, no, mm. it doesn't exist. No, <laughs> not in this household. No. <laughs> no. And I, I do feel strongly about that. And, um, you know, the, the proof is in her and how she carries herself as a, as a little person. And she does a great job of that. And it's people that meet her just always love her. They're attracted to her with her energy, with how she is, how she communicates. She hears the the business lingo. So she's always talking to people sometimes, you know, six, seven years old, right? She's talking like if she's already doing business herself. And I'm like, okay, great. You know, we'll we'll hire her once we can, you know. <laughs> right, right. Yes, she's so lovable. And one of the things I always say is love the person for who they are not the syndrome or diagnosis that they have. So, yeah. Good stuff. Wow. Wow, this is another great episode. <laughs> it's like, wow. Yes. We can go on and uh, love just hearing the stories and and uh, and not only the stories, but the the commitment, the growth, the, um, the dedication. It's always a reminder of um, everybody's unique, but it all in even though it's all different and unique, it still comes back to the same thing: like the commitment to one another, the commitment for the other person, the the self sacrifice. Um, you're going to do it. It's it's your it's your child, it's your family, it's your parent, it's your sibling. Um, that's why we we always say you get uh, you answer the call to be a caregiver. You know, you answer the call, and then through that journey you're learning all these things you your, your whole world is exposed to different people different you know you're you, you become um uh, at least somewhat you're not an expert but you're you're an expert for your you know your daughter in in epilepsy and what you know and you're always learning and you're always you know growing so whatever it is it, the call just takes you to a whole nother place and another level and another depth and uh, that's what's always great. The the always the common denominator in about caregiving is like yeah, it takes takes the heart and uh, to a whole other place in relationships. So good stuff. I love uh, it. I love it. Really, really, really good. Well, we have uh, just enjoyed. I've enjoyed uh, meeting, listening to you, hearing you, learning about you. Uh, uh, absolutely, uh, befriend befriending and uh being part of the part of the fam fam <laughs> but um we're so thankful and grateful to have you on um and we're going to wrap up this episode christy is there anything else that no no they they did amazing yeah so many good golden nuggets and yeah growing pains never tickle so <laughs> they've had an amazing journey and i've loved watching them grow the last few years yeah that's great. We'll have to have you back on again to just share like the, the progress and um, just different accomplishments. Cause I mean, like I said, it's the beginning, she's young and um, it's great. <laughs> You're homeschooling, which is really uh, great. Like all of us need to, are, are doing kind of some form of homeschooling, homeschooling and uh, uh, at the moment, but just see her progress and stuff. And yeah. And, and, sharing more things of victories and how you can encourage others that are going through the same thing. So we're definitely, and just great. You guys are great on the podcast. Like you guys have been doing that, uh, the homeschooling down. She's got, uh, that I, I said, I'll just sign up to be the principal. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The PE teacher. Um, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, Anika's doing piano. She's doing, uh, her second year. She'll be doing her third year of ballet. So right. she, she's active. She's definitely active. That's She's great. out here, you know. Wonderful. Yeah, so great. Thank you for having us and uh, just you. let us know. I love you big. 
Love you. <laughs> All right. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for your time. Yeah, you're most welcome. Well, thanks again. This is uh, uh, another episode of the Caregiver's Care Jar. Thank you all for tuning in and with uh, Carlos and Carla Cruz. Uh, we appreciate them. And uh, Miss Christy, thank you for doing such a great job on the co-host and working it. <laughs> and until next time, um, everybody be blessed. And uh, please uh, visit at caregiverscarejar.com. Uh, we have a lot of resources for you. You'll be able to find the episodes and others, other things to help you through and help you along the way. Um, and uh, continue to subscribe and to um, pass this along if there's someone that you know that would uh, be encouraged and be helped and uplifted by this. That's what our goal is and spread the word. All right. Thank you so much. Until next time, have a blessed one. Take care. Share it with your